Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burkett, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined, as always, by EJ Snyder. EJ, we are in the thick of August. It was like 100 degrees with the humidity here today. It was just disgusting. How are you doing? Are you uh, out of the zone of the bootleg fire out west? Like, what's going on with you? Uh, yeah, we got a fire named after us. That was fun. No. Um, <laughs> thoughts and prayers to all the folks involved in all the fires. We have not had as much smoke uh, this year, and that's uh, literal smoke, not figurative smoke. Um, the air's fairly clear. I hate to say it, we started feeling a touch of fall yesterday. Mm. Like, it got chilly. It rained for the first time in months. Like, actually rained. So, some leaves started to fall. It just, uh, it all of a sudden, we're talking about football. We have leaves on the ground, that little bit of smell of cool air in the morning. So, I'm really sorry you're suffering through triple digits. Um, it's been pretty nice, but yeah, I am, I'm a happy guy because we have tons of football to talk about every day now with camps in full swing. It's crazy. It's crazy. I have a pretty special beverage beer combination tonight. Are you ready for this? This is really cool. So here is the beer. It's pretty familiar. This is the uh-huh. left hand nitro, uh, stout. One of my favorite, uh, milk stout. It's, it's a good one. But here's the fun part of it, is that we have a local distillery here in Des Moines. It's called Foundry Distilling Company, and they have partnered with Left Hand to make a whiskey. So this is called Sinister Whiskey, and what they did was they used the same mash bill as what's made with the uh, Nitro Milk Stout. And they created a whiskey based on that mash bill. And it's aged for 24 months, which is not nearly long enough, in my opinion, for a whiskey. So I'm I'm kind of worried it's going to be a little hot, a little acetone But I'm really excited to taste these side by side and see how these work together, if I can taste similarities or, or what's going to happen. But I saw this in the shop, and I thought, I got to get it. I got to bring it on the pod, and we'll see what's what. What do you got tonight? Okay, that has to be a two-stage process. What should I so do you first? Have, well, you have well, it's not that. You have to taste them side by side, which I think is the right way to go with the first taste of anything, right? And then you absolutely have to make a boiler maker with those. Oh, god, yeah. I have a I have another milk stout downstairs, so I could do that on a different day. Yeah, different day. <laughs> <laughs> when we're not talking into a I, microphone. <laughs> I don't want all four of those at once, but how could you not? How could you not take uh, two similar mash bills and drop them together. Here we go. Uh, we'll give it a rip. Whoa. Oh, yeah, I got the nitro. Yeah, you got nitro. I just got regular. I, that, that sounded great. I'm wondering what the overlap is of Bears over Beers listeners and Grateful Dead fans. Well, they both have Bears, so there we go. Okay. Um, I'm just curious what the what the overlap yeah, is. Yeah, I don't know what the overall under is. Um, I... I enjoy the Grateful Dead's music. I would not consider myself a deadhead by any stretch, but I have seen them live. And strangely enough, I saw them in a football stadium. I saw them in Autzen Stadium. Boy, it's all coming together. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) All right, I'm going to let that nitro kind of do its thing. Uh, Let me me take a sip of the whiskey. (laughs) Let me do that first. So Autzen Stadium, for those of you unfamiliar, is home stadium for University of Oregon, home of the Ducks. You know, off you know, off the top, kind of a sweet taste to it. Enjoyable. I do think it could probably use a little more time. Uh, you got a little acetone in the the aftertaste. Twenty four months just isn't enough, in my opinion. No, it's not long enough to take the edges off a whiskey. Need, I would agree with you. You probably need three years, but 
yeah, it's got a little sweetness to it. it I can kind of, I can kind of see the beer. It, it's pretty good. Is the mash build corn based? Usually whiskeys that come I'm off not a little sure. bit sweet in the front. Yeah, because I don't think that they're going. to... It's the mash build that they use in the beer. Yeah, so they. But I don't know corn. that it would be. Um, they're they're not going to share that. It's because they worked with yeah. the, the brewer, so I don't think they're giving away state secrets, but. <laughs> no top secret information you are not classified you're on a need-to-know basis and you just get to drink it it's good enough to drink by itself it's just got a little bit a little bit of acetone at the end I've, I've had much worse in my day okay um anyway pretty interesting stuff if you're in iowa i don't think they distribute outside of iowa but maybe they would distribute to the breweries that they're partnering with there's a bunch of them foundry distilling you can look them up i think they, they're doing some cool stuff at least some creative stuff but I want to talk about defensive backs tonight, but before we do, I just kind of wanted to ask you your impressions of the early camp news out. You know, there's always a, a good Justin Fields throw, you know, to, to kind of get you get you drooling over the, the camp vids and things like that. He had a little sidearm uh, touchdown throw. I think it was to Riley Ridley in the end zone uh, in in that clip that he had. I mean, just looked like a, looked like a shortstop, just, you know flipping the ball to first uh really cool to see kind of a different arm angle come out of there and, and fit that ball in i would say for me the biggest takeaway so far of what we've learned from camp is like i'm not sure anybody's playing offensive tackle right now in camp it's like everybody is hurt right now but not just the tackles you know you have interior linemen hurt too james daniels has a quad injury that he's dealing with tevin jenkins hasn't practiced yet uh, there was a couple of guys that uh, got concussions, and so they've been out. They've been sidelined. We've got a long way to go to the season. You know, there's an, there's still 34 days. You know, we're, we're recording this on Monday. But, you know, at some point, the Bears have to solidify a, some offensive line help. Uh, and so that that's at least something to keep an eye on. But what are the things that you've seen out of camp that are interesting to you or concern you? Well, Concern all matchers right off the top. Um, again, it is early, but the offensive line returns have not been good. They have not had continuity. Um, that you can look at that as two sides of a coin. Yeah, a lot of guys that typically wouldn't be getting reps are getting a lot of reps against the ones. It's nice for experience. It's uh, reminds me of the old Marv Levy quote. You know, depth is great until you have to use it. <laughs> so. Uh, they're using it. They're down to the third string. They they were having trouble putting an offensive line just on the field. And that's the other thing is with multiple reps and multiple teams, you want to have a stack of guys that so you can keep guys fresh because it just kind of, I think it actually sort of condenses the injury possibility. Guys are out there. It's hot. Longer you know this. You played offensive line. You're getting more reps. You're tired. You make a mistake. Um, you pull something. So certainly worrisome. The Tevin Jenkins thing not great maybe they're just being overly cautious but look bears fans in general are really skittish about first round injuries uh you know you don't have to go that far back to to pick out some pretty significant first round ol injuries for the bears so everybody's like that's the elephant in the room nobody's really sort of breathing a lot of life into it but a lot of people are whispering to me oh my god ej i'm so scared (laughs) i'm like i know i know um but other storylines that are probably more pleasant, you know, the quarterback uh, play in general. Dalton has looked really sharp. Fields has looked really good in terms of, um, especially in the last few days, uh, the phrase I heard was his arm talent is taking over. 
in the last few days he's starting to show i mean he's been showing throughout the camp but it's starting to happen more frequently and he's gonna make that decision really hard and that's just a good place is dalton's been solid he's thrown a bunch of dimes fields is on the come up like it looks pretty good much better than it has for years for the bears at quarterback and that's a big deal probably the primary story uh some other things that have been interesting um alec ogletree uh came over as a free agent and is i think he's had six picks in i think it's seven and seven picks i don't know the the number just keeps going up but just just in he just got his eighth you know yeah exactly wait wait till the end of the podcast we can report nine uh no and he's he's also played he had uh he had a couple of nice blitzes the other day and everybody from the giants is like ej he's he's just clowning you forget it he's going to be terrible because he was rough in the giants defense he was decent the year before that and he was okay when he was with the rams so i've always liked him from a mobility standpoint i put out a tweet that said that and he's showing that right he is a guy that's built more for the pass he's made a ton of plays He's not a starter, folks. There's no way that he takes Danny Trevathan's spot. The Bears love Danny Trevathan. Good or bad, they love Danny T. He brings a ton of leadership. He's very good against the run. He's not great against the pass. Ogletree is going to be his backup, um, maybe obvious passing down replacement, but he is not displacing Danny T for many reasons. Um, Not too many other than money. (laughs) Trevathan has a very serious contract. And he's going to be out on the field. They're going to try and get value out of that. But it, they needed interior um, linebacker depth. He is the most experienced one they have um, by far, even more so than Christian Jones, who's also been fighting an injury. It's a really good development. You and I both worried sort of openly about interior linebacker depth behind Roquan and Danny. Ogletree looks like he's going to fill that gap beautifully. He's a late offseason addition. He doesn't cost much. He has a ton of experience as a as a depth defender, as a backup defender, that is just that move looks like it's coming up positives, which is great. Running backs have been good, which is also a place where they needed some depth. They look to have plenty of depth at running back, which is really nice. Um, there have been some talk about Cole Komet having a very good camp. It's been, I'd say, more steady than spectacular. That's okay. Um, defense it's hard to judge especially the defensive line because the offensive line has been so banged up that you know look what are you going to learn with uh, akeem hicks versus arlington hambright like not much hambright's going to learn a lot but hicks isn't going to pick up a lot of pointers about how to get around somebody so overall it seems like it's been a pretty good camp outside of the offensive line injury issues which are you know significant you can't really look by them but other than that um seems like it's progressing pretty well and that the bears are happy with it uh we're gonna see they got some joint practices with miami coming up here this week so gonna be interesting to see it's always interesting to see when a team faces off against another team miami is a team with a very good roster now uh be interesting to kind of use that as a yardstick for where they're at yeah i asked lester our editor-in-chief if he had a few snaps left in him if he wanted to suit up when when we go to practice next week and uh, I, I mean, if the Bears want to sign me to a one-day contract, I might be able to get one play in where Hicks puts me on the ground and separates my shoulder, and and then I, you know, sue for workers' comp or something. But 
you know, Lester Lester might have a couple snaps in him, and we can, you know, we can just as a team, as a collective fan unit, just sub in and try to get a few plays in uh, at tackle and try to give guys a look. Uh, It'll be the the Windy City Gridiron offensive line series. Well, I'm I'm worried when Sam has to go in because Sam <laughs> Sam doesn't quite have that uh, offensive line experience. But I yeah. Let's move on to uh, the defensive backs that we're going to talk about today. So I think that any conversation that we have about this defense, but but certainly this this uh, uh, secondary, has to start with the new defensive coordinator, Sean Desai. And the big development, uh, a lot of the if – if you guys read a lot of NFL news, Brandon Staley has gotten a ton of press for what he did after he broke away from Vic Fangio. Uh, he was able to really take the Rams – defense to the next level sort of taking Fangio's approach and turning it up to 11 and then he got a head coaching job out of that so so Brandon Staley is now over in uh, LA with the the Chargers not the Rams so I guess same city uh, just just flip the colors and everybody's kind of talking about this Brandon Staley revolution well the Bears had Sean Desai on multiple defensive staffs over the years, including Vic Fangio's. And so Sean Desai is believed to be a guy who's going to come in and implement a lot of Vic Fangio stuff. Now, he worked with Brandon Staley. He worked with Vic Fangio. I think people are saying he's going to be like Fangio. He's going to do everything like Fangio. And I think we don't know for sure exactly what he's going to do because it's an unknown but I would imagine that he is going to have as a core or as a base to what he does is going to have some of those elements in his philosophy. But this is going to be a Sean Desai defense. It is not going to be a Vic Fangio clone or a Brandon Staley clone. It's going to be his own spin on what he's seen. But what does that mean for this defense? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a question that a lot of people that love defense are asking Um Coach Vass, who's a, a well-respected coach, a big Twitter presence, has a YouTube channel as well, said that Sean Desai is his number one watch for the 2021 season. He is most interested in what Desai is going to do with the Bears' defense, and as are many of us. Because Sean Desai, as you said, he's been with the Bears for six years through three different staffs, basically. And they kept him on and there's a reason for that he is incredibly quick um mentally he's really really smart i, I thought maybe his back pedal was good because you know uh, it might be i don't know he's in he's in really good shape too but uh you know best shape of his life like right. everybody in camp. as we all are yeah as we all are this time of year that's fun uh no i think his nickname is the professor yeah something um, like that yeah so you know phd level smart and he understands where the league trends are going so when people say oh it's going to be a fangio defense i i don't think it is it's going to share some base concepts right with what fangio did but uh some of our frustrations with fangio was uh he did the same things and he was unwilling to flex to pressure he was always pretty much going to try and create pressure with four his blitz rates are some of the lowest in the league um Desai, I think, saw what Staley did, but I think he's got his own spin as well. And we're going to see, well, we're definitely going to see different safety play than we saw under Fangio. Um, Desai was with the secondary in those days, but I really look at what um, Brandon Staley's doing with Derwin James. And look, Derwin James is a top five safety in the NFL when he's healthy. He's 
he's a mutant. He can do anything. He can do linebacker things. He can do safety things. If you want him to, he can do corner things. He, there's not very many people like him. But Eddie Jackson's a very talented safety, and he had a really down year last year. We were pretty open about that. And I think we're going to see Eddie Jackson put in more spots to maximize his talent. Quite frankly, he wasn't put in as many of those last year as I would have liked to see. Um, I think Desai is smart enough to know what he does well and put him there. What I'm most interested to see with Desai is what he does with the fronts. Because if he just goes straight down the line, what I would call chalk Fangio, probably be all right. He's got a ton of talent. He's got Akeem Hicks. He's got Mack. He's got Bilal Nichols, who played very well last year. But I want to see how he changes up those fronts and and really how he rotates his coverages pre-snap. I think those are the two sort of defining things I'll be looking for from Sean Desai when the season starts to say, what is this defense? What are their tendencies? And I'm, you're going to see a bunch of disguise. Staley did that too. He did not play things straight up. He almost always has... Uh, too high safety coverage, but you're going to see it rotate. It could start looking like a single high before the snap and then rotate into a too high look. Too high is the basis of all these guys' defense. Staley, Fangio, presumably Desai. But I'm I'm looking for pre-snap rotation, what he does with the safeties, and then really how he alternates those coverage fronts. Those are going to be the defining thing about what is a Sean Desai defense. If I was Sean Desai with all those principles that they understand way more than I do, I would see my talent as Eddie Jackson is my blue chip, hopefully blue chip player, and my Tayshawn Gibson is the replacement level street free agent starter. I mean, he's a starter level player, but he's he's a guy that is going to get one year contracts until he doesn't play in the league anymore. And there's a plenty of guys in that safety market that are that are going to continue to do that. If I'm Sean Desai, I'm finding ways to try to exploit the greatness that Eddie Jackson has in him, and I'm trying to find a way to just keep Tayshawn Gibson in a smaller role so that he's not exposed uh, by opposing offenses. Yeah, it goes both ways with the talent that Staley had with the Rams. Like He had Aaron Donald for sure. He absolutely had Jalen Ramsey, one of the best, if, if not top five corners in the league, um, he had John Johnson at safety, uh, who signed a huge free agent deal in the offseason. Like, he's got very talented players. But you also saw guys that were unheralded uh, prior to Staley running the Rams defense have best ever years. And I always pay attention to that. And, you know, Darius Williams was one of the best corners in the league last year that nobody was talking about. Um, and you you can say oh well that's because Jalen Ramsey's always getting the top target. There are very few target. There are very few teams in the NFL that have one target anymore. You're you're going to be playing against a quality player in a number two or number three wide receiver every week. And Williams had a tremendous year. That again is um, an understanding playing within the defense and a scheme. You said is sound. Um, so it'd be really interesting because he doesn't. Sean Desai doesn't have as much talent on the defense as that Rams defense at the same spots, right? He doesn't have an Aaron Donald. He has close, (laughs) right? Uh, But Akeem Hicks is not Aaron Donald. He does have Mack, who is a better sort of pure edge than um, 
anybody had. And remember what Leonard Floyd did last year. And everybody's like, oh, it's because he has Aaron Donald, right? Well, it can't all be Aaron Donald, right? Yeah. Brandon Staley's putting people in positions to succeed. And decide sees that, right? He's incredibly smart. And he's going to hopefully do the same thing with the Bears. He has a slightly lower overall talent level, especially with the corners, which we're going to talk about in the second half of the show. But it's going to be fascinating to see how much he can get away with a somewhat even role for Eddie Jackson and Gibson because their skill level is not the same. You know, it's interesting. I'm going to go on a little aside here because I, I, I feel like this comes up quite a bit when, so for example, Arthur Smith, who was the offensive coordinator for Tennessee the last couple of years, he gets a head coaching job with Atlanta. And a lot of people were like, oh, God, that's a terrible hire because, like, he didn't really do anything. And, and it's not like Atlanta has Derrick Henry. And it's like, hold on. Go back and look at Derrick Henry's stats before Arthur Smith started calling plays. He wasn't Derrick Henry, the guy that has taken over the league as a first-team All-Pro the last two years. He was a guy. Like, he split snaps. He was exposed. Like, the defense has got him figured out. Like, you, you know, you can stop him if you don't let him get going. Uh, the key get to him, stop get him horizontal. <laughs> yep, get that him horizontal. The, that was the book on on Henry. For you're absolutely right. Before Arthur Smith came along, that was the book on Henry. Get him horizontal, and he's not going to hurt you. So you have an example of an offensive coach who was able to unlock a player that had a level of greatness in him if he was put in those positions to succeed, and he has, and that's great. Um, I don't know if Derrick Henry will be the same without Arthur Smith. I mean, Arthur Smith obviously left. The playbook in terms of how to how to unlock Derrick Henry, but that's a good coach. Now you have to continue to do that. You have to continue to find ways to win with lesser players or make good players great players, and that that's a sign of a good coach. And so we will see if Sean Desai is a good defensive coordinator. That's what we're saying. And and just as in in my opinion, when I look at trying to predict the league and where teams might fall or might rise. When I see a coach like Brian Dayball uh, in Buffalo not get a head coaching job and he comes back again to work with Josh Allen again, despite all the success they had last year, he didn't get the head coaching job. That's going to be a really good Bills team. That team scares me. I think that they're going to be excellent this year. You know, you look at the the coordinators that stuck in Tampa. Look at the coordinators that stuck in Kansas City. Like, those teams – that's almost unfair some of the best teams in the league retain that continuity and that's going to be a real asset for them coming up on the other hand i'm not sure about the titans they lost arthur smith their defense was terrible last year i don't really know if they're going to be that good they might win that division by default but i digress as bears fans that is something to get excited about not only is there excitement in Justin Fields, there's excitement in Sean Desai and what he can do for this defense. Now, will he do it? I don't know. But he ha- we know that Eddie Jackson has greatness in him. We have seen it. I don't think anything's happened to Eddie Jackson that means that he can't do that again. So to me, can Sean Desai unlock Eddie Jackson to greatness? Can he make Khalil Mack not just the guy that everybody games game plans around – can he make Khalil Mack put him into advantageous positions where he's just racking up some free sacks? Like those are the things that I want to see. How what where his creativity gets this Bears defense? Because this team needs a shot in the arm on defense to be able to be competitive and fun this year. 
Yeah, and when I say he has less talent than the Rams, like the Rams were stacked defensively last year. Absolutely. He has a lot of talent. It's not right. that the Bears are bereft of talent, right? He has Akeem Hicks, who's playing very well. He has Mack. He has Jalen Johnson, who had a very successful rookie season. He has Eddie Jackson. He's got Bilal Nichols. He's got Roquan. The Rams, quite frankly, didn't have a Roquan, right? That There's not an allegory for that. So, like, he's got a ton of pieces that are really interested and highly skilled, and it is all about whether he can mix and match to make those, well, to put those pieces in the best positions. And if he can, we're going to see a return to form for this defense that looks a lot like the start of, say, the 2019 season when they were just ripping people to bits uh, for the first month of the season before Hicks went down. So that's the hope. Like, that's the ceiling. If they're doing that and the offense is, is even average, which they look to be, and they can field an offensive line, like, this team is going to win games. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that's – well, so we started with the safeties. We're going to get to the corners after the break. Before we jump into the break, though – I want to talk about a sponsor, an opportunity for us to talk about a new fantasy concept that's out there. It's called Thrive Fantasy. I actually really like this idea, and it's because I love prop bets. I think you know this about me, EJ, at this point. I do. I, I'm really into prop bets because it combines this idea of fantasy football where you kind of say, like, yeah, this guy, I think this guy's going to pop for 100 yards or something. But you can actually put a little money on that. You can say, hey, he's going to get over 89.5 yards. And, and you know, if he does, you win the bet. If he doesn't, you lose the bet, right? So prop bets are really fun. Thrive Fantasy has taken this idea, and they've kind of combined that with the daily fantasy concept. So you go in and you set your lineup out of a group of, of prop bets that they have uh, put together for you. You pick the ones you like, and you compete against others. And if you come out on top, then you win that particular daily fantasy type prize pool. So I think it's a really cool idea. They contacted us to talk about it. They're starting off this year, so they've got a cool promotion. You put in 100 bucks, they will give you $100. So that's nice. Free money's nice. But to do that, you have to use the promo code BEERS, which is pretty good. We got our own promo code, so that's fun. So get in there, thrivefantasy.com, promo code BEERS. They'll match you up to 100 bucks. First week, they've got a big contest coming up. $100,000 guaranteed for week one. Costs $20 to get into that entry, and $20,000 goes to first place. So if you do go in there and you do win $20,000, we expect you to send us like a beer or something. You know, I mean, $20,000, I can buy a nice beer. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, if the promo code is beers and you win twenty k, I mean, it, it stands to reason uh, that some of that would end up in the trickle-down economy, and the trickle-down is the beer going down JB and I's throat. Um, so, no, really cool concept combining two things that you know uh i think of the old like reese's peanut butter cup ads two great tastes that taste great together right you got daily fantasy and you got prop bets you weld them together um you get a bunch of free money if you sign up they'll match your deposit and you know go go win 20k yeah go go win us some money guys all right thrivefantasy.com promo code beers we'll be back after the break 
All right, EJ, we're back. So let's talk about the corners. I saved the corners for the second half of the show because there's a lot of kind of mystery about this position. I think the obvious spot that we all want to talk about is Jalen Johnson stepping into that cornerback one role. Now, we know that Johnson struggles a little bit with injury. Last, you know, that last year that came out, he missed the last part of the year. So you have to always keep that in mind that this is a guy that until he proves that he can get through seasons healthy, that's going to be an issue for him to kind of think about. But Johnson last year came on the scene and his mentality just seemed like, I'm going to be the best corner in the league. Not the best corner on the team. I'm going to be the best corner in the league. What what are you talking about? And it was interesting to see that sort of, you know, uh, alpha mentality out of a corner because the last couple of cornerback ones, even though they have been alphas, they have been the more reserved kind of personality types like Peanut Tillman and Kyle Fuller. And so to get a guy that kind of had swagger from the start and kind of talked about it was kind of interesting but he backed it up on the field he absolutely looked the part and he looks to me like he can play in that cornerback one position as long as he stays healthy and hit the ground running what do you think totally agree health is the big thing other than that size talent consistency understanding of scheme physicality he's got it all and he demonstrated that right off the gun. That's a tough thing for a rookie corner to do. Usually there's a bit of a learning curve that people talk about that. Welcome to the NFL moment. He didn't have those, and he started putting up plays and numbers right away. His takeaway numbers weren't great, but those will come with time. Through the first half of the season, he was a top 10 corner in the league. He wasn't a top 10 rookie corner, <laughs> And I omitted that word on purpose. He played it as well as any corner in the league for the first half of the season. Second half, he stayed at a high level. He eventually got injured, missed a few weeks at the end of the season. And people get worried about that because he had an injury in college. He had a surgery before the draft. It's a shoulder, which is a thing that, mm, come on, cornerbacks need. You need that full range of motion. But if he stays healthy, sky's the limit for him attitude size skill understanding of scheme we saw him play with speed we saw him play bump and run he's just he can do it all and i think sean desai is probably really excited about that he's probably a little bit nervous about the health like everybody else is but he knows if that guy is number one he doesn't have to worry about it to me he seems like the guy that has the surest bet of making that leap on the defense the whole defense because i think roquan's already made the leap we know that he's you know just he's going to be a star if he's not already he gets his head around a split second earlier picks off drew Brees in the regular season and takes that back to the house and the bears beat the saints i'm telling you he's he's an all he, he gets all pro votes like the, it's just it was that close to being recognized as one of the best and and johnson i think is the guy that takes the step this year i think he's the guy that goes from guy that we're all excited about to guy that's a star who's gonna be on the other side of him that's the question. The Bears signed Desmond Trufant uh, as, a, as a free agent. Trufant's struggled to stay on the field the last couple of years. I am. I think he's battling for the uh, for that job with Kendall Vildor, which when Vildor was drafted, we assumed, given his stature, that he was going to be a slot corner. And I asked for the show on Twitter if anybody had some quick questions for you. And our friend, and I, I don't know how to say it, Amund Joy, he asked an excellent question that 
can Kendall Vildor hold up on the outside given his relatively short stature? Is this a guy that we feel comfortable with being an outside corner given that he's on the shorter end of corners in the league? Okay, I'm on record as saying I didn't think that was going to be his role in the NFL. I saw Kendall Vildor at the Senior Bowl. I'd watched tape before I went down there. I saw him in his rookie season. I didn't think Kendall Vilder was in the running to be an outside corner. The Bears think differently. Period. I had this question in my head a couple of weeks ago, so I went to my spies and I said, hey, you've been at camp almost every day. Is Vilder going to be CB2? Is he going to be the other outside corner? And the answer was, oh, yeah. He's the leading rep getter there. He has not played any slot reps. He has played outside exclusively. And right now, he's playing better than Desmond Trufant. So I was like, oh, like no moving between the outside and slot? He was like, no, none, all outside reps. And I was like, oh, okay, so maybe this is real. And it looks like it is. So here's a question from a football standpoint, right? So this is, I don't know the answer to this, but if a guy is on the shorter end, you know, obviously you're worried about the Moss effect where you get a tall wide receiver that just plucks the ball away from him. Now, does Kendall Vildor have like a really good vertical leap, right? Because that could make up for a lack of, of height, a lack of length. Does he have longer arms than you would expect a person of his size? Is there anything like that that indicates that he plays bigger than what his measurables say he does? Uh, Not necessarily in the physical measurables like longer arms. Uh, He's a very good athlete, and he is extremely powerfully built. If you didn't know what Kendall Wilder was when you saw him walk on a football field, you might think he was like a third down running back. He is squat, muscular, plays with a lot of pop in his hands. Uh, do I worry about him going up against the 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", receivers of the world? I absolutely do. It's a thing because those guys have really good vertical leaps too. Right Now, we've seen some shorter corners hold up and play well on the outside at the NFL level. The one I always sort of use as a measuring stick is uh, Jason Verrett. Came from TCU. Uh Ended up struggling with injuries with the Chargers, went to the Niners last year, was finally healthy, and showed these incredibly talented corners. So there are ways to get around it with technique. Um, Does Vilder have all those? I don't know. I haven't seen enough of him at outside corner. He did play there in college, but the level of talent that he played against in college is nowhere near what he's going to see on a weekly basis in the NFL. So to me... I still have a question mark about exactly what you asked. How is he going to do that? Because he, make no mistake, he will face that multiple times this year. Sure. The question I sort of don't have in my mind anymore is, is he going to play there? The answer is, oh yeah, right now, barring some cornerback dropping out of the sky miracle, Kinda Wilder's playing on the outside for the Bears. Oh, man, what a what an upset. <laughs> hey, we were talking about him for, for slot duties last year. Absolutely. Let's talk about nickel, and then we'll talk about any sort of you know reserves that are worth keeping an eye on, or if they're more there for special teams. But rookie Thomas Graham Jr. 
interesting guy kind of got some buzz early i got saw a little bit of like maybe this is a guy that can step in right away now a fifth round rookie had terrible testing numbers plays better on on film so you hope that it was just a bad day or whatever that was sometimes that works out you know you get a better talent that slips down because people are afraid of the measurables you can still got duke shelley a guy that you know we talked a lot about when he was drafted hasn't really played a lot of football for the bears but you would think that this is the year for duke shelley to kind of emerge or is he maybe a guy that's on the way out if he can't beat out a rookie fifth rounder for the slot duties so where are you kind of seeing this battle shape out and who would you prefer to see line up week one in the slot yeah the preference question is really interesting i'm going to take the out on that one and say whoever plays better which oh, i know sure is, okay <laughs> that's a cheap answer but if your slot corner can't play in the modern nfl you're going to give up a lot of points that's that's all there is to that but duke shelley interesting played outside um in college definitely a slot corner with the bears has been taking the majority of the reps at slot and for all intents and purposes is probably going to be the starter at the slot now that's not cut in stone we could see things shift a little bit in the preseason but if you had to line them up right now and play a game i think duke shelley is the starting nickelback for the bears i like his upside we've got to see it demonstrated on the field because he's had his ups and downs in the in the downs that he has played some of them have looked very good and some of them he didn't make the right decision and that's key when you're playing nickel because every route is a what we call a two-way go you don't have the boundary to push people into typically and you've got to stay loose and fluid. You can be moving backwards, forward, or side to side. It takes a very different mentality. And usually people aren't great as slot corners as rookies because of that. So hopefully, Sean Desai is breaking it down for him mentally, making it a little bit easier. And he's got a year of experience under his belt. Hopefully we'll see an improved player in Duke Shelley. I hope so. Uh, Thomas Graham Jr., also played both spots at Oregon. He played some outside, I would say more outside for the Ducks than slot, but he was not a stranger in the slot either. So he had more versatile experience and they're both taller than Vilder. <laughs> so I would have said either one of those guys is a more likely candidate. In fact, I did say that when both of them were drafted to play outside and Vilder, I thought, nope, because of the fact that he's like five, nine something is not going to play outside. Turns out, don't know everything. Uh, Graham, I think, has great potential. He's got great versatility. You can use him all over the secondary. Um, I think he could play outside in a pinch. He played pretty well there in the Pac-12, which is certainly a passing league. But he's going to have his rookie bumps just like Shelley did last year. So I think it's okay that Shelley starts with a year of experience at nickel. Um, we'll see how it goes. I, I don't think this spot, no matter what happens, is going to be one of those concrete, oh, if this guy's healthy, it's his job. Like if it's, if this guy goes in and plays well and holds up, he'll hold the job. If he doesn't, we're going to be willing to make a change because we don't have an entrenched guy that we have a lot of money invested in. We've got a bunch of potential guys and we're going to play for lack of a better term, the hot hand. They absolutely tried to throw kind of a lot of discount and, and, and cheaper, you know, investment guys at, at this secondary, uh, you know, in addition to Jalen and, and Eddie, but if you want to talk about the back end of the depth chart, guys that are fighting to make this team, guys that maybe are on here just for special teams, I wanted to run through this list because it is an exhausting list. There is a ton of names in this secondary. Artie Burns, who 
was signed last year, former first-rounder from the Steelers. He didn't get to play at all because he got hurt in training camp. So he's got pedigree. That's about all he's got because he did not play well when he got a chance in Pittsburgh. Deion Bush has been a backup safety for the Bears for years. Not your favorite guy. Uh, DeAndre Houston Carson, definitely here for special teams. He's a core special teamer. I think played about three-fourths of the snaps on special teams last year. Some other names, uh, I know you're a Trey Robinson guy, Rob Roberson guy. Uh, Michael Joseph's an interesting name. There is some other names that I kind of didn't know before I <laughs> looked them up. Um, I, I have heard of Tease Tabor, but I know that he's uh, – not a guy that is likely to see the field. Um, but any, any of those guys kind of interest you from a, this guy could surprise or, you know, it'd be kind of interesting if he saw the field a little bit. Yeah. First off, you're not wrong. This is not an inspiring list. There are a bunch of guys that will play roles for this team. I don't look at this list and see any, what I would call like breakout candidates like man i'm really jazzed on this guy's potential i just want to see him get some reps or oh it'd be really cool if this guy won the job uh it's this is a we'll call it what it is this is an nfl cast off list right this is a right, retread exactly. list this is a rehab list right didn't go well in your first couple stops let's let's see if we can pull something out of you um yeah xavier crawford's an interesting name as a corner um Again, not likely to light the world on fire. Michael Joseph, I had a lot of hope for when he was drafted, but he has been, he's had trouble sticking on rosters. He's been a pure bottom of the roster guy. Um, Trey Roberson was the guy that I was most excited about, came over from the CFL, was signed um, after a sort of multi team bidding war when he said he was going to come to the NFL. He's got, you know, good physical skills, nice dimensions. I was pretty excited about him taking over at some point as in the rotation as an outside corner. I've heard nothing about Trey Roberson. And I mean, for a guy that's listening, pin drop, nothing, crickets, dead silence. I haven't heard one thing, good or bad, about Trey Roberson. Nothing. Not a good sign. Um... (laughs) Tease Tabor was a guy that was had not great measurables coming out of Florida. Uh, people said that he was supposed to be a corner. I thought at best he would be like a slot corner. I actually think he's better as like a slot safety close to the line. I think that's probably how they'll employ him, but his measurables do not scream, you know, go put him on a very talented wideout to me. Um, and, you know, Marky Christian's getting a little, a little play, but I don't think you know, I, I still think he has the potential to be a practice squad guy, not even make the roster necessarily the 53 for special teams. So DeAndre Houston Carson will absolutely make it. Special team stalwart, uh, you know, maybe yeah. in a three safety alignment or if somebody goes down, he comes in, but hasn't been. He has had some of those opportunities, been with the Bears for years now. And again, never when he has had the opportunity, he's played, I guess the best adjective is solidly at best so yeah it would be i would feel better about this list if ryan pace went hunting right in in all the cast offs this year guys that are getting cut or picking you know high profile guys off practice squads anything to get some juice in here because the bottom line is (laughs) man if jalen johnson goes down with an injury it's not good like you're not going to be putting out 
a secondary that's capable of shutting anybody down in the NFL. You're just going to be hanging on. And that's a rough place to be. I think it's a tough look right now. I mean, you've got, we hope that Eddie Jackson can take a big step back to what he was, right? I mean, everybody likes to say, like, oh, they're going to regress to the mean. Well, that can go both ways. You know, Eddie Jackson is better than what he played the last couple of years. And so it would be nice to see if this system does bring him back up to what we know he can be. And we think that Jalen Johnson can take that next step and be that guy. But that leaves three other positions where you're like, ugh. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Gibson can be a replacement level starter. I'm not. I don't. I don't have anything against him, but right. he's not a guy that's going to give. I mean, he made what one turnover play last year. I mean, he, he's not a guy that that necessarily brings a lot of juice to the back end. And you know, Vilder's got to step up and be a serviceable corner if if he is indeed going to be the guy to start there because they'll pick on him. I mean, that that's a clearly – I would much rather th- throw at him than I would Jalen Johnson. Yeah, you're going to see that. Like, in the modern NFL, uh, we talked about this, but nickel is – it's not even the new base. Nickel is base defense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's played damn near 70% of the time. It's a passing league. You need five guys. Right. You need two good outside corners. You need a player that can absolutely make plays. Think about the – the high-profile slots around the league who are tremendously talented corners. They just happen to play inside. And then you need, you know, one really good safety and one like, ah, he has a limited role, but he's a, like you said, a replacement-level player, average starter. You need five guys minimum. And really, you need six or seven because you got to be able to rotate those guys. You can play in a ton of dime when they go four wides. This Bears team has maybe three maybe right you got jalen johnson if he's healthy absolutely you got eddie jackson i like your idea of reverting to a good mean not (laughs) dropping to a low mean um and after that you really can't say you can't point to a guy and go oh yeah this is a guy that i would you know protect in an expansion draft right that's it you got like two guys that's that's crazy and i hope desai can elevate those players like you said take good players and make great players out of them or take average players and make good players out of them i would love to see that that would be a massive win for this scheme and quite frankly with the roster that ryan pace has built he's counting on it yeah he absolutely needs decide to bail ryan pace needs decide to bail him out because that cut of kyle fuller this would be a very different conversation if Kyle Fuller was still on this team because then you're talking about Kyle Fuller is your best secondary player you think Jalen Johnson can make that step to get up to that level you hope Eddie Jackson can return to form and you have three guys that are good players in that secondary you've got a replacement level talent in Gibson that can absolutely keep steady as your fourth best player and we're going to figure out the nickel we've got enough guys we're going to throw at that that we think we can get that figured out I'll buy that I'm in on that. But you take away the number one piece, everybody has to slot up one, and then that's going to expose you. It's just like offensive line. When you take away a piece and you have to fill in there, then that whole unit just gets worse. And there's a lot of similarities between the secondary and offensive line. It's the place that I would invest a lot in if I were a general manager, those two places. And I just haven't seen that out of Ryan Pace. This is where that lack of 
uh, a lot of picks that you've packaged up and used or traded away in other, in other ways. This is where it comes back to haunt you because a lot of times these other teams, they've got these extra picks. They take a corner in the fourth round. They take a safety in the fifth round, whatever, and they just sort of stack these guys up. And the Bears don't really have that. They're counting on those guys to be to play significant snaps as opposed to just develop and maybe a guy hits. This is it's scary. This is definitely where the defense could fall apart is on the back end. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think Ryan Pace needs to make up for that in other ways. And the ways that you do that is by combing the rosters here in a few weeks when you're going from the the 90 man rosters and you start the cut downs, there will be some good players around the league released and he needs to go get a handful of them. And people say, well, they're not going to contribute this year. No camp, learn the system. That's all true, but he's got to get the talent somewhere. There's only so many places you can get talent. The draft is one. The UDFA process right after the draft is another. Free agency is the sort of third leg of that stool. And then the one that nobody talks about is right now, right? As guys start to get cast off, don't stick in their camps. Teams try and put them under the, under the, you know, under the covers so nobody looks at them. Get them on the practice squad. You can go grab those guys. Now, is it a high-risk gamble? Yes, it has to be. You got to get those players from somewhere. And... If you've got them in your building, they get to go through all your walkthroughs, all your practice, you get medical on them. By midseason, they could be contributors. They could be injury replacements. They can be guys. The practice squad rules, a lot of people um, missed this last year, but those rules got relaxed. You can go up and down between the practice squad a lot more than you used to be able to. You can go on and off IR more uh, liberally than you used to be able to. So there are ways to increase the talent out towards the back end of the season. Is it going to matter for the first month, September, even October? No, it's not going to matter at all. These guys are going to be getting up to speed, learning the system, getting reps, but there needs to be a talent infusion in the secondary. There's just not enough guys there and he needs to go poach two or three. And the other one, is offensive line. We talked about it. He needs to he needs to grab some promising guys that didn't stick with other teams for whatever reason or guys that were promising last year and the new staff came in and said they don't fit our system. We're going to cut them loose. Ryan Pace needs to go collect those guys because right now he's running at a deficit in those two areas and it could absolutely sink the team. It's so interesting talking about this team that I love that has a general manager that has an approach that's very different and how I philosophically approach things because I want to be fair to him and I want to like try to see it from his point of view. But so often the things that he does drive me bananas. So, you know, it's it's fun to talk about. But uh, next year, there absolutely has to be an emphasis in those two areas. But I worry that he's going to run out and get a receiver because he's going to let Allen Robinson walk, you know. And so it's just this like constant like cut and replace, cut and replace and not focusing on building a depth uh, throughout the roster and and trying to have this this plan for the most prominent positions. But, you know, that's for another day. The secondary, again, the reason why we want to talk about it is because it's something that we find very interesting but also are a little worried about. It doesn't seem to take much, and this, this unit could go from, eh, maybe it can work out to, oh, no, <laughs> this is bad. Well, it would make Sean Desai's uh, inaugural campaign as a defensive coordinator a lot tougher than it 
has to be. Right. right. And who knows, right? The bottom line about Ryan Pace's approach or our approach doesn't really matter. That what matters is the same thing that always matters in the NFL. Are you stacking wins? Right. Hard or easy doesn't matter. W's, L's, that's what matters. And look, maybe Sean Desai is the second coming in terms of coaching guys up. Maybe he can take a secondary made up of, you know, two thirds of the way through the season of Marquis Christian, Xavier Crawford, you know, DeAndre Houston Carson and make them look average. Like that would be a tremendous coaching job in the NFL. Maybe it's possible. We don't know, but that's why they play the games. And it's going to be fascinating to watch throughout the season either way. I agree. Well, we'll leave this one here. Let's uh, talk about the drinks. Um, I have to say that I love the nose on this whiskey. Like, it is delightful. It, it just it just has a very nice smell. I mean, just, just a hint of that acetone at the end. But, like, it's so sweet. And I think about stouts, you know, you're using a lot of malt, right? So you're getting a lot of malt sugar out of that. And so I, I assume that that's why I'm tasting so much sweet in that whiskey. Again, it's not necessarily on the par of a sophistication of something that's been in the barrel for a long time that has an evolution and, you know, you drink it and you kind of taste different things. This is a one-note whiskey, but the note's pretty good for a, for a whiskey that's only been in there for 24 months. It's it's totally drinkable and fun. It's a good story. I like what they're doing. It's it's fun. And the beer, of course, is good. Like, I'll I'll do your Boilermaker some other time. But this has been uh, this has been an enjoyable experience. How about you? I'm I'm really glad to hear it. And on the one note category, um, we were we were just talking about this last night, right? The old joke. It's okay if you're a one trick pony as long as the trick is good. Yeah. Um, you know that's that's good. Um, this is a really interesting beer, the American Beauty Hazy Ripple. Uh, it definitely has characteristics of a hazy beer. Uh, it is a little bit sweeter, and it definitely has some citrus, but that citrus is not citra hops. I am a sort of avowed disliker of really strong citra hop profiles because it ends up tasting like grapefruit to me. And right. I don't want grapefruit in my beer. I like grapefruit just fine, but I don't want it in my beer. This has that citrusy hit to it, but it's a little bit sweeter. I almost might say something like a hint of maybe berry, like raspberry. But again, <laughs> not an overwhelming fruit flavor, but a, a sort of sweetness on the front end that balances out the thing that you don't like about IPAs, which is that really bitey back end. And because of its hazy profile and because of some of the grains they used and, and whichever hop balance they're using, you get a little bit of a sweet start to it. It definitely has some of that IPA tenor on the back, not very much malt to it at all. Um, and it finishes off pretty nice. There's a lot to it. It's not a beer I think I would drink um, maybe with a food pairing or like two or three in a row. I think it might be a little bit much for that. It's sort of a it's a complex beer to drink, uh, but it's delightful, and I like it. Um, there's a lot of places they could have gone wrong with it, and I think they missed all of them. So good work to uh, Dogfish Head. I like that brewery. They do good stuff. All right, you want to get us out of here? Yeah, I would love to. So we're going to keep coming at you. We've got content uh, all lined up now. We've got football. We already had a football game, folks. We had the Hall of Fame game. We've had an honest-to-God real football game, which is pretty darn cool, and we're going to keep having that 
all the way through February. This is the best time of the year. We're really excited. But no, there's going to be. And a- congratulations to Jimbo Covert and Ed Sprinkle oh, for getting absolutely. into the Hall of Fame. Absolutely great picture with Jimbo Covert and uh, the matriarch of the Bears, Virginia McCaskey, um, at the Hall of Fame. That, I, I don't know. I I don't get too softy suckerish too often, but I saw that picture and I thought, how much nfl history legacy whatever is in that picture it was just it was it was a really sweet photo so and he had a great story about sweetness which is always the quickest way to my heart um talked about um walter payton jumping in his room on the morning of game days and in that high little voice and saying good morning sunshine time to kick (laughs) some ass which i just think is the best story ever so yeah absolutely we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about jimbo and ed sprinkle but uh, we've got plenty of content going to be coming to you pretty much weekly up until the season. Then of course, we'll always have our sort of preview review shows. Um, but we're going to look at some interesting angles. Uh, again, we're not going to go through the whole roster. Other folks at Windy City are, are doing that position by position. We're going to hit the ones we find most interesting and the storylines we find most interesting. But uh, let us know in the comments on Twitter uh, what you want uh, in the comments section of Windy City Gridiron, what you'd like to touch on, what you'd like us to avoid. If you just can't handle any more O-line talk, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll go mute for a bit on that one. No use beating a dead horse until we figure out who the actual line is. But... We're looking forward to it. We hope you're looking forward to it, and we will see you next week. So until then, bear down.